warning, this week's episode is going to have a lot of information in regards to spiritual activity and conduct that could be extremely harmful for you. You will learn some things about demonic possession, um, curses, and other things that if you employ, you will get yourself in a lot of trouble. Welcome to Bucky's Pagan Guided Adventures, and this week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about dark entities, demonic possession, curses, and bad spirits. We're going to go over everything involved in protecting you from these. Picture it kind of like the Harry Potter's protection from the dark arts class, but without the cool flashy magic and with a lot of history and information. So sit back and... Flick a magic wand if you want to. If not, then just have yourself a nice cup of tea and we'll go over how to protect yourself. Before we get down to the nitty gritty, I'd like to make a quick shout out and kind of explain myself. Last week, a couple weeks ago, I got contacted by a good friend of mine who is kind of like a mother witch to a little coven of tiny witches. I know that sounds crazy, but they do exist. Um, and she had a problem with one of her little witches deciding to use tarot cards to summon her deity uh, with no protection put in place. So what happened was she started having a bunch of bad things happening. She started to feel a little sick. She started noticing things in her house and energies kind of swirling about. And so thankfully, this lady did her... Mm, spiritual triage and magical medical treatment, I guess you could say. So my work was um, pretty much already done, except for a little bit of tongue lashing and instruction of how to do things a little bit safer. And that struck me that there's a lot of people out there who don't really know the dangers they're in. So little Daphne, next time I think you're going to know what to do instead of, uh, instead of what not to do. And uh, this episode is dedicated to you. So let's start this off with protection from spirits. Now, before I proceed with this, I'm going to explain a little bit about spirits and also give a small caveat. The first caveat is that I'm going to include deities in this category, but I'm also not going to include demonic possession because that is a totally different ball of wax. And when we start talking about spirits, we need to realize that there is multiple we only see light and color reflecting off of objects, and there are multiple layers that uh, of reality that we can't really tap into because our senses prohibit us from doing that. And that vibrational frequency, if you will, is where spirits reside. And those spirits can actually be pretty mean. Some are actually quite nice, but some are actually quite mean and can do some pretty, pretty nasty damage to us. And one of these really nasty spirits is called a mimicking or lying spirit. So those spirits are vampiric by nature. And what they'll do is they will follow somebody around and they'll get all the information in regards to their life, what they did, how they were born, their whole entire existence. And then when they die, they will assume that identity in this plane. They will reach into this plane from their plane and pretend to be that person. That's not to say that some other people's energy does exist after they die. That's the whole key behind mediumship. But these lying spirits are actually quite malice. And I'm not really an expert in regards to lying spirits. That's not my wheelhouse. But I know 
just enough to talk about it. And one of the modalities that they utilize to reach out to the world is the Ouija board. Uh, I personally will never use a Ouija board. I did when I was younger, and it opened up a portal to all kinds of nastiness. But let's just break down Ouija for two seconds. Its root comes from two words, oui and ja, which is yes and yes in German and in French. And it signifies the communication between the two planes, where it's just yes, yes, I'm going to give you the information that you want to know. Uh... So that's the way that Ouija kind of sits. The other ways of um, kind of irritating the spirit realm is if you are an unexperienced or untrained medium and you decide to do a seance or a summoning ritual and you pull in the entity and you manifest it to work with you. Um, If you remember back to one of my earlier episodes, I talked about a spirit that came to me in the night and asked me to do that and I would pretty much tell him to get bent. So if you don't know what you are doing and you don't have the knowledge, don't do it. That's step number one of protecting yourself. Don't try to swim the English channel when you've just learned how to dog paddle. Um, Also, make sure that you know how to protect yourself. If you decide to swim a little bit longer after you've learned how to dog paddle, make sure you have a life jacket on and still don't do not do the English channel, if you understand what I mean. Now, with that dog paddle analogy, let's say you started to learn how to swim a little bit better and you want to have a better life jacket. So that's where the magical realm comes into place. Now, I am a very close friend of witches, and I'm a member of a bunch of Facebook groups in regards to witchcraft. I wouldn't call myself a witch because I don't do a lot of spell casting. I don't really do any spell casting, but I have a good source of knowledge with it. Um, what I would say is if you're going to do anything that you're inexperienced with, um, if you are a witch, cast a circle. And the way that a circle works is that you go wind shears, which is uh, clockwise, and you manifest an energetic a bubble of energy around you. And it's a three-dimensional bubble, pretending like you're standing in the middle of a sphere of energy. Um, if you do it correctly, you'll actually feel your body temperature increase. You will become warmer. I've actually done this once before, and you're sweating bullets. Um, and that way, when you do your energy work, uh, any form of summoning manifestation or, or getting in, becoming in the presence of a spirit, you have your energy protecting you from outside sources. And when you do that, you're keeping them outside of your bubble. And that's the first basic position um, when it comes to creating the circle. Now, if you do not feel comfortable doing that at all, um, if you think that that's something that's terrifying, um, There is other methods, and one is called the grounding method. Now, first of all, with this, before we even get anywhere, because you're not going to have the circle around you, you need to keep this one basic mantra. Keep M out. Keep them out of your body and keep them out of your space. You have that autonomy as an individual, um, and you'll find that people who actually open themselves up end up with demonic possession, which will go down on down the road. Um, in some ways, if we actually get down to the nitty gritty, um, opening your heart up to a specific religion also could be a form of possession, but we won't go there because I don't want to get chased around or burned to a stake. 
all puns intended with that one. Um, so the, with the grounding method, you lock them out of your body by keeping them out and you put yourself in a meditative position and you cognitively inside of your body and inside of your realm attach all your chakras and shoot a giant stake in the ground and that'll push all the energies out the negative energies and that'll keep all the other energies out as well that way it keeps you grounded and it's very much like having a lightning rod beside a big structure if the lightning strikes it'll strike the lightning rod and not you but let's just say for example if you're listening to this and you're like Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. This has already happened. I've already have had this nasty malice spirit come in and it's making me feel a little ill and my dog is sick and um, I'm not getting my newspaper every day because it's a mean, mean spirit that is able to spook the, the, the mail delivery and that's not, he doesn't want to come up the steps because of the feelings. Well, there's three ways that you can actually deal with that. So with the protection from spirits, we have to talk about how you get rid of it. You have to remember that you still maintain autonomy over this realm, and especially if you have made claim to something, your home, your house, your livelihood. There's a very interesting mythological piece in regards to vampires, that they are not allowed in your home unless you invite them in. Well, with certain types of lying spirits and other spirits from other realms, they're very much vampiric by nature. They will they will kind of leech onto you and suck your energy out, feed off your fear and make you feel nasty or feel off, feed off your misery. Um, and so if you, if you have them there to get rid of them, you have to ask them to leave. Some will tell you straight up to get bent and stick around. And that's when you stop being... Miss Nancy Green at tea and start being Samuel Jackson with a sidearm telling telling guys to get the hell out. So, how do we do that? How do we go to the Samuel Jackson um, stage? Well, sage, sweet grass, salt. Three things. When you burn sage in a room, it aerosolizes um, and actually sends burning... Uh, like the burning residue in the air, and that actually will push energies out of that area. Sweet grass will do the exact same thing. When it comes to salt, salt are teeny tiny crystals. And so if you utilize salt and you spread it around windowsills and door frames, um, you will actually, or even wash your floor with salt water, you will actually push the spirits out. They just can't be in that energy space. And I know it sounds kind of funny because we always see in supernatural episodes where the Winchester brothers are driving around and throwing salt around. That's where the producers kind of got it right. You can utilize salt to protect yourself. And um, there are many other tested and true ways to protect yourself from spirits. Um, some are with medallions and sigils. Um, I won't go into too much details because this is one rabbit hole that if I take you guys down there, Alice won't even be able to pull us out. So if you are encountering problems with spirits or if you're interested in working with spirits, I highly encourage you to look online, find more information and don't do anything without doing a circle grounding or having somebody mentoring you properly because if you invite one of these in you can end up getting poltergeists and nasty things like that and you will destroy your life and with that we can move on to the next stage 
Night Visitors. So Night Visitors is a very odd one um, because it's not really a bad situation. It can become a bad situation, but for the most part, it's not. I tend to get a lot of Night Visitors or Astro Pro. Um, they'll come through a doorway. A lot of people say that they come through mirrors for them, but for me, that's a doorway. That's the portal. So they come through the portal and they will stand at the foot of my bed and talk to me at nighttime. Other situations is if it's a, the energy is a specific way, I can actually see the silhouette in the dark and actually have full-blown conversations with them, which is actually kind of neat and kind of fun. Where this can become bad is when an individual gets night terrors. So there are three parts to your uh, parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic nervous system. When you are addressed, when you're approached with something, you can A, fight them, so get in confrontation mode, B, um, flight from them, which means you run away and you don't look back, which everybody does when they see something scary and they run, a guy with a gun, oh my, they all run for their lives. The third is freeze. So with night terrors, I mean, you're seeing the physical manifestation of something mind-numbing, something that's puts a quake to your soul and so you can freeze now if a malice spirit comes out and you freeze they can do very nasty things to you even of a physical nature and there's nothing you can do you just lay there and and you're gonna have to take it which really sucks um and so this is one where it's very fascinating i i can't really um give you the magical equation on how to break out of your out of night of sleep paralysis. I've never encountered it. A entity will come into my room and I'll sit bolt up and I'll talk to it. So if you would like to defeat your sleep paralysis, there has to be a way that you have to get over that fear of having them in your room. What I can also say is sometimes the portal will open and something mean and evil will come and try to bother you. I've ridden weird things around my room. I've gotten into some interesting fights. But the key behind that is the light. If you sleep in a pitch black room and you start seeing a spirit dancing across the ceiling, which I've had a number of times, and you feel a very uneasy feeling, if you turn on the light in the hallway, leave the door open, the light will actually push them out. It's also interesting to note that if you are experiencing spirits at night or astral projection, you will get encounter a lot of things around 3 a.m. Uh, about a week ago or two weeks ago, I had a wake up at 3 a.m. Another one of my friends had a wake up at the same time, and literally the only way I can describe it is as if a freight train came ripping through the universe, of horns blaring, and it woke me right up. So that's the fascinating thing that you're going to encounter at nighttime is um, spirits coming and visiting. And that's the best way to perfect, protect yourself. Learn how to not be afraid and leave a nightlight on. I know that sounds so juvenile, but it works. So, as promised, the next stage is demonic possession. And this will be the last uh, spirit-based um, protection that I go over. 
And it's probably one of the most fascinating, and I'm really looking forward to doing a, a full episode on this. But demonic possession actually is a phenomenon that occurs in, throughout almost every religion on earth. Um, and they always ascribe it to something different. Now, us being in a Western world, um, predominantly our theological understanding comes from the Judeo-Christian God. So I'll start with them. The Judeo-Christian faith structure believes that demonic spirits are fallen angels that can actually manifest in bodies. The first encounter, really, I think that we encounter that we see this is in their Bible, where they talk about um, a group or a man who met Jesus on the way to some sort of city, and he was possessed with um, a demon called Legion. And it was automatically afraid of Jesus who cast the demon into a pack of pigs who ran down a hill and drowned their asses in water. Now, that's actually quite fascinating because later on, um, there was an exorcism, an actual factual exorcism called the Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a historical context where the demonic presence inside the lady was legion. So... That is a very fascinating thing. And the way that you cast the demon out in the Christian faith is to, um, you know, the whole, the power of Christ compels you joke. You know, everyone does whenever someone's being bitchy or whatever. But yeah, they, they actually utilize the name of their deity to cast the spirit out. Now, when we go to Islam, Islam believes in this thing called jinn. There are good jinn and there are bad jinn. And that's actually with the root word for genie. If you ever heard of Aladdin, who had a genie in a lamp, it was a jinn in a lamp, and he got three wishes. That's where that mythology comes from. But with jinn, they will physically um, take hold of an individual's body as a spirit. And the way that, that Islam will get rid of that possession, the jinn possession, is one of two ways. Well, there's only one way, sorry correction the one way um, they will sit down with the jinn and they will reason with it until it accepts islam converts to islam and then leaves the body because it's against you know the quran to be inside someone's body so it's kind of like they negotiate contract negotiations and make them sign a deal and then they leave the house um i think that when we deal with demonic possession on a non-christian non um Islamic level is that it's a lot of nastiness. This is why I stress and emphasize the keep them out, keep grounded, and cast a circle rule. If you let them in, they will take over. If you make a pact with a deity or a god, they will take over. Don't let any entity in, period, end of statement. And if you're a Christian person in the crowd, and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, I'm not going to chastise you because historically that has proven to just make you very, very happy and give you some supernatural abilities of your own. What I am talking about is you're in a meditative state or in the middle of the night, something comes to you and says, I can make you very powerful if you let me in. You can get all the women in the world. I'll give you all the wealth of the planet. Just let me in. Um, you're asking for it big time. And on a secular level, it's almost impossible to get rid of a demon once it's in you. Um, there are some apothecary things that you can do. 
there are some crystal things that you can do, but it, there's no real guarantee. And even for the Christians and Islamics, there's no guarantee that that entity is going to leave your meat suit because you let them in, dummy. So that's all I'm going to say about demonic possession. The next two categories I can lump together, but I'll dissect them individually. The first is uh, protection from curses, and the other one is protection from energies. We're going to start with protection from curses. Um, there's a funny thing that happens with curses. Curses uh, can be generational, and curses come from word or action. Fascinatingly enough, they found that the stress indicators for Holocaust survivors were passed from mother to child. So that means that the stresses and the curse of the Holocaust imposed upon the parents was passed upon the children. And that actually is a curse, 100%. That's the physical evidence we have for curses. Now, the other evidence we have for curses is on a societal level. Um, when we go back in time, words actually had a lot of power. Uh, we hear a lot of ancient curses coming out. You know, um, may your camel have fleas and your teeth rot out of your face. And the the Masons, I believe, when they when you join their sect, have a, an oath where it's if you break these sacred oaths, may you know the birds of the sky come and eat your the eyes out of your skull. And it's actually quite powerful the power of a curse, and we actually use that a lot. If I was to tell a small child, point to him every day, and say, "You are going to equate to nothing." That's actually a curse. Um, and so that is the low-level curse. Now we get to the higher-level curse where it's we actually manifest the spiritual vibrational frequency and put it into the individual. When that happens, um, when we put major intentions into our words and change the the biomechanical and even spiritual frequency, we really screw the dog and hurt somebody really bad. Um, and I don't think we really realize we're doing it. And if we do realize we're doing it and we do it, well, you're, you're asking for it. That's just not a good thing to do to somebody. Um, but there are some ways to remove curses. I have yet to try these. So full disclosure, I'm not an expert at curses. So the first method in, involves red brick dust and spring water. You smash this, the red brick dust up and you mix it with spring water and you call upon your personal mojo, so your personal spirit guides or your ancestors or whatever deity you follow. It could be Artemis or it could be... Who knows? But when they come... You wash the floors and you wash the walls with the um, water with red brick dust in it. And that will push your um, curse out of your house. Uh, you also have to do like a circle of red brick dust around the house to ensure that the curse does not come back. Now, the other way you can do that is a what's called a blood, dragon's blood bath not actual dragon's blood if you're wondering that is just foolishness dragon's blood is a type of resin or stone if you and what you do is you take a mortar and pestle and you grind it up with the mortar and pestle and you add salt cinnamon uh, papaya black pepper um, 
into a bathtub and you bathe in it while calling on your ancestors and everybody to come and push the curse out. Um, and then once the curse has left you, you shower off, clean off the tub and push it down and it, the curse will be gone. Now, the fascinating thing about that is you are incorporating two elements. You are incorporating fire and you are incorporating water. Water is the realm of the high priestess, as we talked about from Tara the other week, which is intuitive and emotional. And fire is the magician, the wand, which is the passions and the movement um, of that spiritual nature. So it's a, it sounds quite powerful, but I mean, I, not really my ball of wax. Um, the other way of removing curses, if you are a spiritual individual, is to call on your deity to remove and refract that curse. And if you do that, then uh, you're, you, you um, will be able to move forward and pass that curse. Curses scare the living crap out of me. And the reason why they scare the crap out of me is because I've seen them manifest in people's lives and they are not good. Um, and I'm going to simplify this one down outside of the world of woo to the side of basic psychology. Um, anybody who's exper experienced mental trauma at the hands of another individual, which was my guess would be everybody on earth, teenagers are mean, kids are mean to each other, it, it will totally change your life in a negative way. Um, and so if you can find a way to push those curses aside and work within your mind, um, then curses won't bother you. The last one that I'm going to talk about today is protection from energies. Now, energies are fascinating because they're kind of like the, the wavelength or the electricity of the spiritual realm. If I, like for me, for example, I am what is called a space keeper, which means that my auric energy goes out very far. I've walked into rooms where other uh, tarot readers or psychics have been, and they'll look at me with a dirty look and they'll storm away. In fact, one would not even be into the front of a store if I was there. They didn't feel comfortable with me around at all. It's because my energy is quite profound and loud. And it's partially because I am a, I, I practice healing as well as tarot as well. So you, there's a lot of energy that's out there that people detect. When people read auras, they read energy. Um, as well as uh, when people do tea reading, they actually are pulling energy out of that as well. So is there such thing as negative energy? Oh, of course there is. People who have encountered a major spiritual or psychological break and are extremely in pain push out that negative energy. That's why when someone says, oh, bad vibes, that actually is bad vibrations. So that cutesy TikTok video where it's, oh, bad vibes means bad vibrational frequency. So how do we push that away? Gemology is a big way that we do that. And the way that gemology works is that you use stones, uh, stones such as quartz or amethyst or shungite or obsidian uh, to hone in, amplify specific frequencies or push out and reject other negative uh, frequencies. Um, now, I'm not going to belabor this one very long um, because if you go online, you can find a thousand and one ways to find a specific stone to push out an energy. For example, uh, shungite is good against electromagnetic energies, apparently, and uh, obsidian will push out negative entities. So 
If you're curious about that one, I encourage you to go online and look it up. You will discover that uh, these things can actually change your, your mind or change your world. I use amethyst and quartz in a lot of my divinatory castings because they are very good for broadcasting energy signals. Happy hunting on that one because it's a lot of fun. Once you get into stones, you don't get back. Uh, you'll find that your rock garden grows a thousand times faster than your real garden and your wallet shrinks faster. So, But it is wonderful. And with 31 minutes on the clock right now, I uh, think I've done my longest podcast yet. Sure hope all of you were with me. That being said, um, if you have any questions at all in regards to um, negative entities and how to deal with negative entities and how to cleanse your home or how to purify something, shoot me a message. Um, it's it's important. These things are, these things are very important. Um, they're very important to work with. So shoot me a message. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Tarot. Uh, sorry, at sign tarot with a capital T, by with a capital B, and Bucky with a capital B, or Bucky's Tarot Online. Um, you can send me a message on anchor.fm, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Also, if you want to have a tarot reading or numerology numerology reading, ah, tie tongue, tongue tied, a numerology meeting uh, reading, just uh, shoot me a message as well, and I'll uh, I'll hook you up. Again, that's at sign tarot with a capital T, by with a capital B, and Bucky with a capital B. Have yourself a wonderful week. <laughs>